of Human Bondage by William Somerset Maugham Chapter 27, Segment 1 Weeks had two little rooms at the back of Frau Erland's house, and one of them, arranged as a parlor, was comfortable enough for him to invite people to sit in. After supper, urged perhaps by the impish humor which was the despair of his friends in Cambridge Mass, he often asked Philip and Hayward to come in for a chat. He received them with elaborate courtesy and insisted on their sitting in the only two comfortable chairs in the room. Though he did not drink himself, with a politeness of which Philip recognized the irony, he put a couple of bottles of beer at Hayward's elbow, and he insisted on lighting matches whenever, in the heat of argument, Hayward's pipe went out. At the beginning of their acquaintance, Hayward, as a member of so celebrated a university, had adopted a patronizing attitude towards Weeks, who was a graduate of Harvard, and when by chance the conversation turned upon the Greek tragedians, a subject upon which Hayward felt he spoke with authority, he had assumed the air that it was his part to give information rather than to exchange ideas. Weeks had listened politely, with smiling modesty, till Hayward finished. Then he asked one or two insidious questions, so innocent in appearance that Hayward, not seeing into what a quandary they led him, answered blandly. Weeks made a courteous objection, then a correction of fact, after that a quotation from some little-known Latin commentator, then a reference to a German authority, and the fact was disclosed that he was a scholar. With smiling eyes, apologetically, Weeks tore to pieces all that Hayward had said. With elaborate civility, he displayed the superficiality of his attainments. He mocked him with gentle irony. Philip could not help seeing that Hayward looked a perfect fool, and Hayward had not the sense to hold his tongue. In his irritation, his self-assurance undaunted, he attempted to argue. He made wild statements, and Weeks amicably corrected them. He reasoned falsely, and Weeks proved that he was absurd. Weeks confessed that he had taught Greek literature at Harvard. Hayward gave a laugh of scorn. "'I might have known it. Of course you read Greek like a schoolmaster,' he said. "'I read it like a poet.' "'And do you find it more poetic when you don't quite know what it means? "'I thought it was only in revealed religion that a mistranslation improved the sense.' "'At last, having finished the beer, Hayward left Weeks's room, hot and disheveled. "'With an angry gesture, he said to Philip, "'Of course the man's a pedant. He has no real feeling for beauty. "'Accuracy is the virtue of clerks. "'It's the spirit of the Greeks that we aim at.' Weeks is like that fellow who went to hear Rubenstein and complained that he played false notes. False notes! What did they matter when he played divinely? End of segment one. Chapter 27, segment two. Philip not knowing how many incompetent people have found solace in these false notes, was much impressed. Hayward could never resist the opportunity which Weeks offered him of regaining ground lost on a previous occasion, and Weeks was able with the greatest ease to draw him into a discussion. Though he could not help seeing how small his attainments were beside the Americans, his British pertinacity, his wounded vanity, perhaps they are the same thing, would not allow him to give up the struggle. 
Hayward seemed to take a delight in displaying his ignorance, self-satisfaction, and wrong-headedness. Whenever Hayward said something which was illogical, Weeks, in a few words, would show the falseness of his reasoning, pause for a moment to enjoy his triumph, and then hurry on to another subject as though Christian charity impelled him to spare the vanquished foe. Philip tried sometimes to put in something to help his friend, and Weeks gently crushed him, but so kindly, differently from the way in which he answered Hayward, that even Philip, outrageously sensitive, could not feel hurt. Now and then, losing his calm as he felt himself more and more foolish, Hayward became abusive, and only the American smiling, with your cold American intelligence, you can only adopt the critical attitude, Emerson and all that sort of thing. But what is criticism? Criticism is purely destructive. Anyone can destroy, but not everyone can build up. You are a pedant, my dear fellow. The important thing is to construct. I am constructive. I am a poet. Weeks looked at him with eyes which seemed at the same time to be quite grave and yet to be smiling brightly. I think, if you don't mind my saying so, you're a little drunk. Nothing to speak of, answered Hayward cheerfully, and not enough for me to be unable to overwhelm you in argument. But come, I have unbosomed my soul. Now tell us what your religion is. Weeks put his head on one side so that he looked like a sparrow on a perch. I've been trying to find that out for years. I think I'm a Unitarian. But that's a dissenter, said Philip. End of segment two. Chapter 27, Segment 3 He could not imagine why they both burst into laughter, Hayward uproariously and Weeks with a funny chuckle. And in England, dissenters aren't gentlemen, are they? asked Weeks. Well, if you ask me point blank, they're not, replied Philip rather crossly. He hated being laughed at, and they laughed again. And will you tell me what a gentleman is? asked Weeks. Oh, I don't know. Everyone knows what it is. Are you a gentleman? No doubt had ever crossed Philip's mind on the subject, but he knew it was not a thing to state of oneself. If a man tells you he's a gentleman, you can bet your boots he isn't, he retorted. Am I a gentleman? Philip's truthfulness made it difficult for him to answer, but he was naturally polite. Oh, well, you're different, he said. You're American, aren't you? I suppose we may take it that only Englishmen are gentlemen, said Weeks gravely. Philip did not contradict him. Couldn't you give me a few more particulars, asked Weeks. Philip reddened, but growing angry did not care if he made himself ridiculous. I can give you plenty. He remembered his uncle saying that it took three generations to make a gentleman. It was a companion proverb to the silk purse and the sow's ear. First of all, he's the son of a gentleman, and he's been to a public school, and to Oxford or Cambridge. Edinburgh wouldn't do, I suppose, asked Weeks. And he talks English like a gentleman, and he wears the right sort of things, and if he's a gentleman, he can always tell if another chap's a gentleman. It seemed rather lame to Philip as he went on, but there it was. That was what he meant by the word, and everyone he had ever known had meant that too. 
It is evident to me that I am not a gentleman, said Weeks. I don't see why you should have been so surprised because I was a dissenter. I don't quite know what a Unitarian is, said Philip. Weeks, in his odd way again, put his head on one side. You almost expected him to twitter. A Unitarian very earnestly believes in almost everything that anybody else believes, and he has a very lively, sustaining faith in he doesn't quite know what. I don't see why you should make fun of me, said Philip. I really don't know. My dear friend, I'm not making fun of you. I have arrived at that definition after years of great labor and the most anxious, nerve-wracking study. When Philip and Hayward got up to go, Weeks handed Philip a little book and a paper cover. I suppose you can read French pretty well by now. I wonder if this would amuse you. Philip thanked him and, taking the book, looked at the title. It was Renan's Vie de Jesus. End of segment three.